0: Good afternoon and welcome to Let's Talk, the pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen. Let's Talk's is a program for the Christian layman, the Lutheran who believes but has questions. In short, the program is designed for someone like me. You know, there's a lot I simply do not understand. Not necessarily anything as soul-shaking, it might just be something that's been bugging me for a while. And I find that rather than getting into a deep theological discussion, a casual front porch-style talk with the pastors often the best way to understand it. That's what this program is about. Today's guest is Bill Swirla, pastor of Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Hacienda Heights, California. I have my questions, I'm sure you have yours. You can send questions by email at any time to Talk at kfuo.org or call in during the program at area code 314 That's in the St. Louis area, including Metro East. Or anywhere else in North America, toll free at 800-730-2727. Bill, welcome to the front porch again. Hey, good to be back. Well...
1: Starting, what? starting to feel like fall
0: a little bit, maybe. Mm. Uh, it's I It's supposed to a little bit. We're supposed to get a little bit of a cool, cool spread coming in here in the next few days, and a lot of rain. But prior to that, it's really been hot. Oh, hot! Yeah, we we've been we've had a little break from the heat, but it's uh, the
1: uh, the thermostat's going back up this weekend. So not yeah. not ready yet. Not going to give up yet on
0: summer. No, no, hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> now we had. Uh, uh, I, I want to let you know that I did manage to bottle my uh, r- my California uh, red ale. Oh yeah, we have to keep track track of the brewing here. So the yeah. California Red Ale has been bottled. It has been bottled. I'm excited. I am really excited because you know uh-huh. I, I, I did uh, you know I did a sampling of it, uh, measured it with hydrometer to see what the uh, sugar ratio was. Ooh, it fermented. Some science real- in there that, that always that that really gets me going when you get some food science happening. Oh, that was fabulous! It really was. So it came in, and I I was I sampled it too. You know, it's still flat; it's not been carbonated at that, that point, mm-hmm. and a very very clean f- flavor. I mean, there's just not a hint of uh, not a hint of, of of contamination to it, and uh, the flavor and the color was right on target. So I'm I'm really enthusiastic about it, and uh, the conversion was very good. I went from like a ten sixty two down to a ten ten. So I'm what, what does that looking mean? What, what's a, 6%. a 10, What is that?
1: What 1062? 1010? What does that mean?
0: Oh, uh, that's the specific gravity. Oh, okay, I, I know that is okay. Yeah. so. yeah, and uh, the and idea- that's a
1: measure of what? When you're measuring specific gravity, what can what's what
0: conversion are you measuring? The sugar conversion? Yeah, yeah, because water is at is at is at one thousand. It's one point zero zero zero. Right. So when you um, get ready to brew or make wine or what have you, no sugar is much heavier, is much denser and so when you measure it Ah. with a hydrometer so your specific gravity goes down as the
1: fermentation process that's it exactly got it okay cool i I don't you know i don't brew
0: so Ah. but i do i do know i do know the process very good very interesting well i'm 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 getting excited here i think next weekend i'm going to sample my first bottle Oh, all right, well, you'll have to report. Uh, I am. Yeah, it's going to be a busy weekend for me. Uh, tomorrow, I am going to go to a firearms class. Okay. <laughs> Don't mix the two, though. I mean, <laughs> no, that's, that's not I've a always, good idea. I've always
1: been kind of concerned about that alcohol, tobacco, and firearms.
0: You know, it's like, hmm, what could go wrong here <laughs> when... Well, and then there's the old saying, gee, you know, that instead of a, a governmental department, that should be an aisle and a convenience store.
1: <laughs> it is kind of like a Toys R Us, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, won't be long before we won't remember what that reference is all about.
0: <laughs> we'll find out.
1: Oh, what else is going so on? So what's, what's on your mind here besides, well, besides brewing and firearms? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I feel like I'm on an episode of Duck Dynasty here.
0: (laughs) Well, to an extent, we are. Yeah, kind of. (laughs) Front porch is right across the road. (laughs) Well, actually, uh, I was uh, reading. I was reading something the other day from Martin Luther. Oh, that's always (laughs) that could be disturbing or comforting, depending (laughs) on what you're reading, or raising questions. Yes, always, always. always I'm going to quote. Something here that he wrote, and let's see if we can unpack this one because this this one really got me scratching my head. <clears throat> Quote from Martin Luther: "Reason is a whore." <laughs> oh yeah, the whore reason. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The this is, like, this is about that... as popular as sin boldly. You know, we love we love certain Luther, and this <laughs> no. is one of them. <laughs> he was very plain spoken. <laughs> okay. The greatest enemy that faith has, it never comes to the aid of spiritual things, but more frequently than not, struggles against the divine word, treating with contempt all that emanates from God. Oh my, okay. Now, I have some problems with that. I see, think I see his <laughs> point, but I mean, well, look to Thomas Aquinas, who had no problem whatsoever reconciling faith and reason. Ah, yes. And uh, then there's Luther, who obviously had read Aquinas... But apparently disagreed so let's get our definitions down here what what is reason what is spirituality and why (laughs) are they or are they not compatible yeah well let let me let's 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 just
1: kind of like um, sort the deck a little bit here uh, so we kind of see what what all what cards are all being played here first of all Luther is very educated man uh, you have to understand that theology, <laughs> it used to be an honorable department in the university uh, alongside medicine and law. So uh, he, Luther is, is quite intelligent, quite educated, very strong abilities in debate, in rhetoric, in logic. Uh, you know, he's trained in classical method. So I, I say all this to point out that L- Luther, of all people, is a smart man, and he's not saying be stupid. <laughs> so <laughs> that's the, let's leave that entirely off. Um, secondly, I think that a lot of this language, and I don't, I don't know the date and the the location of that quote. It's always helpful with Luther to find the actual work whether it be a letter or a writing or whatever, a table talk, those are those are usually where this sounds table talk-ish to me <laughs> uh, because that's where some of the most flamboyant Luther comes from is at, at the table, you know, after he's had a couple of red ales, you know, so I'm just saying. <laughs> he was a fuck drinker. Um, and, and also the date. It's, it's helpful to know when he says what he says because it gives a kind of a context luther's biography is not a, a uniform one there's a lot of progression of thought between the the time that he nails the ninety five theses to the church door uh... in fifteen seventeen and uh... As, and say the time that he writes the uh, catechisms in fifteen twenty eight and twenty nine there's a lot that happens during that decade, and so it's, it's very helpful to know, are we dealing with earlier Luther, are we dealing with middle Luther, are we dealing with late Luther, are we dealing with crabby Luther, you know, you never know what's on his mind, because Luther's very occasional the- theologian, and so he doesn't write these tidy, systematic, tight theologies, and certainly he's not an Aquinas. In attempting to categorically go through all of the you know Aquinas gave up on this after all said so it is impossible, and he retired so and that was a good idea um, but luther 's not that kind of theologian he he responds to situations and he applies the gospel and the proper distinction of law and gospel to various situations which will make him notoriously inconsistent at times. Uh, that's why you can always find everybody has a favorite Luther quote, because you can, depending on what he's talking about, you can find something. <laughs> so anyway, we're, we don't have that. You don't know where that quote comes from, and I don't either,
0: right? So Well, I'm, I'm trying to do a little search here, even as we speak. He's actually oh, yeah. made a number of, uh, of uh, statements about that. You know, uh, but since a, the devil's it's, bride reason been pretty poor, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It, it's a yeah. common statement with Luther. Yeah. Um, I suspect
1: that a lot of the reason um, kind of quotes arise after his engagement with Erasmus and his uh, seminal writing, uh, The Bondage of the Will in 1525, because that's where he begins to unpack the, if you will, the unreasonableness of the justification of the sinner by grace through faith mm. alone. See, because that's, that's what rubs um, the scholastic theology that comes before him. And that's what puts him at odds with the, the, the Catholic Church, the papal church. And so um, that's where Luther will begin to say, look, I know this doesn't follow the pattern of logic necessarily that, that we're accustomed to in fields like philosophy and mathematics, but we're talking theology here. We're talking the revelation of God here and and how the sinner stands before God justified. And their reason must take the passenger seat and, and, and be, be be quiet and allow God to speak to faith. See, so that's kind of the, the, the context. Uh, if you look at that quote again, I think he says something to the effect of, um, reason is a whore when it comes to spiritual matters, or something like so that. Right? It never
0: comes to the aid of spiritual things.
1: Right? See, now th- this is where <laughs> a lot of Lutherans go off the rails, and they basically say reason is never good, <laughs> and we're never to trust reason, and faith always of uh, rules over reason in all matters, not just spiritual matters, but how to balance your checking account or what medicines to take for your type 2 diabetes or, or you know, how you approach scientific problems. So, see, so that's not what Luther is saying. And uh, he's saying in spiritual matters. So here's kind of how I parse it at a very fundamental level. And I'm using a tool that Luther gave us, namely the catechisms. So reason is a first article gift, you know, that God, I believe that God has made me and all creatures. So we are the creation, the, the particular creation of God, and that he's given me my body and soul, my eyes, ears, and all my members, my reason and all my senses. So reason and senses and observation and all of that, that is a first article gift from God. Got to get that straight right out of the chute. So don't be calling a gift of God a whore. (laughs) She's a very beautiful lady when she stays in her proper place. Okay? (laughs) And then you, you can catch the tension when you drop to the third article. I believe... So there's the believe. Not it doesn't say I think. It's I believe. I believe that I cannot by my own what reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to Him. So in other words, reason is cannot aid faith. You cannot think your way into believing. You cannot observe your way into believing. And so faith is a third article gift, by which we receive the gifts of salvation and all that Christ delivers for us and reason is a first article gift by which we engage the created world in which we live and you keep them in their in their their articles and they are very happy <laughs> but if you try to live first article life by faith you're gonna get run over by the next bus because you do look both ways before you cross the street and if you try to reason your way through the third article you get completely lost because God's thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are
0: not our ways. See? Well, is he saying uh, the, the, the very concept, for example, that, that Christ died for our sins and that this is, our, this is the justification? It defies reason. Is that what he's saying? Is that if, if you look at it from a reason, this makes no sense. And, but we know it's a biblical truth. Therefore, there's a problem. You know, St. Paul
1: would argue that it seems reasonable, and he, he makes this argument in Romans 5, I think, is this, it seems reasonable that a good man, or that one should die for a good man. That's reasonable. But that one should die for the enemy. Mm. And while we were still in our sins, enemies of God, Christ died for us. That's unreasonable. See, that's no, nobody does that. See, and and there's where the unreasonableness of faith comes in. That that God's way of dealing with things, not our way of dealing with sin and death. See, and and so that's where reason, and it's not that reason goes into a coma. It's just that reason takes a sort of a passenger seat, because we certainly use reason whenever we read the Bible, whenever we, whenever we engage dogma, doctrine memorize the catechism it's all these are like you got to have you know your wits your reason but in a ministerial a servant sort of way allowing god to tell us how it is with us before him but that's the key i think that's the key that's god telling us how it is with us before him not before our neighbor not before the world not in the world but before
0: him the rest we can figure out for ourselves well what about The actual existence of God, is that a reasonable conclusion? (laughs) The modern skeptical
1: atheist would say, no, you have to be out of your mind. Uh, What Richard Dawkins calls it, a God delusion. You have to be deluded to believe in God. But that's a little bit of a failure. Um, And see, modern skepticism plays that game because they've gone from reason and observation being a way of knowing things to reason and observation being the only way of knowing things. <laughs> in other words, if I can't, you know, measure it, taste it, uh, you know, bang it on the head and 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 think it logically, then it doesn't exist. Well, no, uh, that's in fancy word, that's an epistemological error. Uh, there are things that can't be known by reason. They have to be revealed to us. That's one of them. But uh, go back to your question, is, 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 is believing that there is a God, the existence of God, is that reasonable? Well, let me pose the G.K. Chesterton question. Okay. Is, it more, is it more reasonable to presume that uh, God cre- in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth than to presume that in the beginning nothing became everything all by itself? Because that's really all you've got. You've, you've only got those two See? And and so even there, I, I would argue it's more reasonable to believe that there is a higher intelligence transcendent outside of this system and order beyond all things uh, that has governed and ordered all things to come into existence. That's more reasonable than nothing became everything
0: by itself. That yeah. that's, That stretches plausibility to the snapping point, I think. Now i've thrown that argument a couple of times out to some skeptics you know where where we christians claim you know god made the universe and, oh no no what well, was the big bang really where, you mean well that's fine but who you know who pulled the trigger yeah, you who know pulled the trigger? bangs don't just, just happen something come out of nothing
1: you know that that's always the problem that's that little nugget that like intelligent design people always kind of like pushing on is okay so like we marvel at a genetic code even our language tells us that there's there's like intelligence here because it's a code it's not a random string of four letters mm. and codes always have a coder <laughs> you know there's a high paid programmer some 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 geek in San Jose you know but there's like the ones and zeros in your computer didn't just arrange themselves to become you know Microsoft, whatever. So, you know, a behind a code, there's a coder. Behind a bang, there's a banger, you know, if you will. So that's kind of, that's sort of like conveniently begging that question. Uh, but it goes down to that that question of plausibility. Now, can you prove it?
0: No. no. You, you, you can't, because you can't get a bead on God or not God. Yeah, because that is also, atheism is also based on faith. That's my point. My point is they're both faith statements there is a god there is
1: no god those are both faith statements and it really how do you decide well you know how do you decide see we don't start there as lutherans obviously right we we don't start with the existence of god we start with the the, the man who claimed to be god jesus who died and rose so that's a little less abstract <laughs> you know you got, you got a historic figure walking around uh, 2000 years ago which is fairly recent history as things go, and uh, some big claims, big claims about him. So it's always more profitable to start with uh, the man named Jesus who claimed to be the son of God who died and rose from the dead, uh, that there's a lot more traction to that than these abstract arguments. So does God exist? Can we prove it no. mm. Uh, it's always going to be kind of inferential and kind of
0: speculative, and lots of fun over a couple of your red ales, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, have you ever read the book, uh, the, "The Case for Christ"? Uh, there's even a, a, a movie out on it. And uh, what is that? It, Lee Strobel. Yeah, that's the one.
1: Yeah, he's a he, he's a journalist, uh, actually a Chicago journalist, I yeah, believe, yeah. Um, and who came to faith later in life, and and who um basically does so by what amounts to what what some of us call the Montgomery apologetic you know and that is that you you just deal with the the historic facts of Jesus and um deal with the gospels not as inspired text or word of god just just as reliable historical documents and uh, allow the evidence to lead you to the conclusion that there's more to this Jesus than meets the eye see and so it kind of started, but that's kind of what convinced him and then he goes and talks about you know prophecy and fulfillment and and all of the other things that's kind of layer in the case for Jesus gets really big once the mind is opened and really it's a matter of telling reason to shut up and listen for a change <laughs> but he was uh, once also the saying- mind is
0: he's also saying in his book that reason led him to the conclusion that, yes, indeed, Jesus existed. He was crucified. He did perform miracles. He did raise, raise from the dead. Exactly. Exactly. Now,
1: it's unreasonable to say that uh, this man is God. You know, Luther wrote a set of disputational theses on John 1.14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And I think that's where you get a better view of Luther on reason. Because he'll say, he'll say, ah, to the philosophers, this is nonsense. But to the theologians, this is solid gold, you see. And, and he'll say things like, something can be true in one field of learning and false in another field of learning. <laughs> to which, you know, our modern mind just explodes at that point, you know, because true is true is true. Yeah. But Luther's perfectly comfortable with paradox, see? And paradox is inherently unreasonable. Now that's an interesting thing. Let's let's unpack that a little bit. Well, you know, think of all the great paradoxes of the Christian faith: God is three and God is one. Okay. Well, come on, make up your mind, would you? Which is it? <laughs> uh, you know, either he's got a personality disorder, or you've got three gods on your hands. You take your pick. But this is not the, you know, or Jesus is fully God and fully man, hundred percent both at the same time, right? without confusion, separation, change, or division, said Chalcedon. Uh, or the Christian, the baptized believer, is simultaneously uh, righteous as a saint and sinful. As a sinner, that simul justus, that picator, simultaneously sinner mm-hmm. and saint. And, and not just kind of like half and half or three-quarter and three-quarter, but total, total. And uh, that, that, again, is unreasonable. See, a lot of that paradox comes out in Luther's bondage of the will. And that's where Erasmus, who is the Renaissance humanist scholastic, is just going nuts over Luther, because Luther is essentially babbling illogical nonsense. And Luther says, yeah, this is, this is, this is about spiritual matters of faith, and God is not the God of logical necessities. Okay, so, you know, put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> My problem is that we, we let that spill over into the first article, see? And so you, you end up with this notion that knowledge is evil or learning is evil or we have to become as little children, meaning we have to become stupid and unteachable or whatever all over again. And so you, you end up with this idea that faith overrules reason rather than faith going beyond reason. There's a big difference. Do you, do you, do you can catch the difference between the
0: two? Well, one of the one of the things that separates us from the animals, over and above having a soul, is that we do have a deductible uh, a brain that is capable of deduction. We do have a language where we can express various concepts that are are perhaps even beyond our minds to conceive. Yeah, abstractions like infinity. You know, we yeah. can
1: turn an eight sideways and call that a symbol for infinity. But try dealing with infinity. Okay, I, I can't even deal with a million. Um, you know, but what, but we can, we can imagine we have imaginations, which is, I think that's a stepping stone toward transcendence. You know, Ecclesiastes talks about how God has put eternity into the hearts of men. We have a sense of the numinous of the transcendent of the one who is out there beyond all things. The Genesis one God, if you will. Mm -hmm uh we have we have a we have a sense of that, whereas i I don't know what the animals have a sense of, but i I think that's strongly a part of our being the image of God is that we can imagine God in some way, shape, or form.
0: Well, part of it is I think, is that we can imagine our own death. Now, I think an animal will react to an immediate threat, but can an animal truly contemplate its own end? You know, I've watched animals die. It's kind of funny.
1: Um, I don't want to get macabre here, you know, but 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 they will they will fight or flee. That fight or flight reflex, which is in us too, mm-hmm. you know. That's I call that that's our animal reflex, and it usually betrays us because our immediate threat is not being eaten. Now, if you're about to be eaten, yeah, that might work. That might work for you, fight or flee. Uh, but it's usually, but it doesn't help if you're having a. An argument with your spouse see, but but those same those same hormones, those same triggers kick in, so we either fight or we 're out of there you know so uh, but it 's our reason that transcends instinct, it transcends these these built in hormonal triggers and circuit breakers that are designed to protect us. But um, you know you're not protected from concepts by fight or flight. <laughs> Although we try these days, that seems to be the way uh, politics and religion is gone, Keep going. You know <laughs> that's a bad concept. You have to fight it to the death in a zero sum game, or flee. You know don't 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 even touch. Don't even think.
0: Uh, that's and that's that's really bad way to live, especially in the modern world. Yeah, I'm afraid we were moving into it. So, I have a reason right now, and a reason is the log says I've got to take a break. Totally first article. You got it. Yeah. Be back in just a couple of minutes. Proverbs 27, 17 tells us, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. That's why weekday mornings at 8 a.m., two Missouri Synod pastors test their mettle against the Holy Scriptures, certain that not only will they come out better for it, but so will you. The sword of the Spirit is sharp to the touch, but you need practice wielding it. Check out Sharper Iron, 8 a.m., every weekday on Worldwide KFUO. You've faithfully given to the church all your life and believe the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod should be strengthened and preserved for your children, grandchildren, and the next generation. Go beyond the offering plate to make a lasting impact for the church. Start planning your legacy today. Call 800-325-7912 to speak with me, Teresa Nelson, gift planning counselor for the LCMS Foundation. Visit us at www.lcmsfoundation.org.
1: Listening to KFUO on your smartphone is so easy to do. Smartphone assistant, play KFUO. Playing KFUO radio. You can also visit the place where you get your apps and download the KFUO app. You can also go to the
0: KFUO homepage. Wow,
1: the KFUO homepage is customized to fit your phone with an easy-to-find listening button.
0: When you're on the webpage, you can browse for more information. You can listen to KFUO 24 hours a day at KFUO. Or don't forget about Facebook, Facebook.com slash KFUO radio.
1: Now you're just acting like a know-it-all. The Lutheran Hour presents another classic message from the archives featuring our program's founder and first speaker, Dr. Walter A. Meyer. In a sermon first broadcast in 1937, Dr. Meyer proclaims the changeless Christ for a changing
0: world. This week on The Lutheran Hour. Sundays at 1230 and 5 p.m. on Worldwide KFUO. this nation
1: under God shall have a new birth of freedom. Abraham Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation signed in 1863 represented a fundamental change in his thinking about freedom and began a process that ultimately brought an end to slavery in the United States. The following year, on September 7th, 1864, a delegation of the loyal colored people of Baltimore arrived at the White House to give a Bible to Abraham Lincoln. Mr. President, they said, we come to present to you this copy of the Holy Scriptures as a token of a respect for your active participation in furtherance of the cause of the emancipation of our race
0: lincoln said in regard to the great book i can only say it's the best gift which god has ever given man
1: engage with the bible in a discovery of its
0: impact and influence brought to you by museum of the bible Welcome back to Let's Talk, The Pastor is In. I'm program host Kip Allen, and the guest pastor on the front porch with me today is Bill Swirla. We are talking about reason and faith. If you want to jump in on it, you can call us in the St. Louis area at area code 314-821-0850 or anywhere in North America, toll free at 1-800-730-2727. So where do we go from here? This is getting really, really... Yeah, well, the trouble is it gets all kind
1: of very um, head-trippy. And it's fun. Uh, It's fun to the extent of uh, kind of as an intramural discussion among believers. I think it's good for us to have. We live in a scientific age. Uh, We are kind of the end product of the age of reason. And uh, for some people, the age of reason is considered a huge threat to religion. It was a threat to religious institutions, but quite frankly, most of them needed to be dethroned anyway. So <laughs> they kind of did us a favor. Uh, the trouble is, it's a case of throwing the baby out with the literal bathwater, and and so um, reason has kind of totally displaced or silenced the place of revelation because those are the two ways we sort of know about things is we know them by our reason and our senses, uh, which we might conveniently label as science and scientific method, which is an entirely an internal uh, way of looking at things you't you, you never presuppose an outside agent in scientific method, so you don 't say it 's a miracle you don 't say God did it yeah, that 's useless in science uh, but it 's all first article and and revelation where where God from the outside uh, Reaches into us and tells us who he is and what he's about and what we're about, which is, you know, that's how we understand Holy Scripture to be the self-revelation of God through the prophetic word and, and especially through the incarnate son, Jesus. And that's where they kind of intersect in an interesting sort of way. But you don't check your reason at the door when you go into church. Some people do, unfortunately. Uh, The extreme of that would be like charismatic types where, you know, you just basically lose control of all reason. Remember what St. Paul says, I will worship God with my mind. Mm. Love the Lord your God with all your mind, said Jesus, summarizing the Torah. So mind is not to be left at the door along with your guns or whatever and cell phones. Um, And you don't necessarily, you don't check your faith out when you enter the world of your vocation either um, it may be more or less useful it 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 it's certainly your compass and guide uh, when I was in the laboratory as a scientist uh, I I didn't I didn't pray over my experiment because actually if i got a miracle i it that it would not advance science at all because <laughs> miracles are not statistically significant um but you do pray certainly that your work um be to the service of neighbor and the glory of god that that certainly is as a priestly work so um so you know i i was i was a, a christian who uh uh, or I was a chemist who happened to be a Christian in the laboratory, and I was a Christian who happened to be a chemist in, in church. But reason was always operative in one way or another.
0: Well, so much happens that uh, that either can't be explained or we don't know yet. I'm, I'm thinking of two specific things. For example, let's go back to the Middle Ages, and people thought disease was caused by humors or Im- imbalances in in the body when they didn't know about germs. Right, or demons. Yeah. They, they thought when you sneezed, you were sneezing out demons.
1: Yeah. You sneezing you're sneezing out cause... germs.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's one of the things, is reason and scientific method have rescued us from a lot of superstition. Uh, and and when it's working properly as God's gift in the first article, that's what it does is it kind of free because superstition is really close to idolatry. It's ascribing uh, kind of spiritual powers to uh, stuff in the created order, which is, you know, this God's work. It's good. So but but that's where we get into that good and evil problem. So in a sense, uh, science is an ally uh, in terms of rescuing us from our mistaken notions of how things work and ascribing them to demonic forces. The danger is once we have desuperstitionized all of this stuff, we stop believing in the demonic forces. <laughs> That's a big mistake.
0: Yeah, it's out um, there. I oh, firmly yeah. believe that.
1: Yeah, they're just they, they just don't operate the way we thought they did. Uh, that's 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 paul's powers and principalities and whatnot so i like to say that science can tell you how big the head of a pen pin is but it can never tell you how many angels are dancing on it at any one given time or even why they dance in the first place or even if they do (laughs) see angels are not subject to scientific inquiry because being spiritual creatures they cannot be observed measured
0: anything well i I think I think even now, some some of the advanced uh, theoreticians in the in the scientific world uh, are getting to the point where they're saying there's a lot of things that we will not know. That's true.
1: Yeah, I've, I've seen that. In fact, I've seen um, uh, something that basically says that the more we learn, the less we learn kind of thing, which is sort of interesting. That I've I've always wondered whether we, do we hit a hard barrier at the end of knowledge? Like it's like God says, okay, that's as far as you go. You don't go any further. Or do we enter into a realm of what amounts to utter nonsense? <laughs> and I think it's the latter. I, I think that as you kind of probe the depths, of the atom or the depths of space or whatever you're probing um you get into things that are so indescribable it's like in that movie contact with jodie foster when she gets kind of like zipped off to some higher dimensions and she said and remember she's the consummate skeptic right Mm -hmm. and she says she says they shouldn't have sent a scientist they should have sent a poet (laughs) i thought that's exactly what god did (laughs) you know he he communicates with us more poetically than he does scientifically in terms of the scriptures so um because that that's that's how you that's the language of transcendence uh but that's that's kind of going as i said before it goes beyond reason and senses not in spite of them but beyond them well you mentioned earlier there, there are the 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 three concepts what are those Oh, these are the three things that kind of govern how we know what we know or how we talk about what we know, and that is, um, I, I do them in the verbs. I think, I believe, and I feel. And have you ever noticed how we get these these three always messed up? Oh, yes. So like the the pietist or the charismatic believes by feeling. I can feel the presence of God here. See, And the the skeptic or the, the scholastic rationalist, Uh, believes by thinking so the god that fits tightly into my categories that's the god for me um... but but they're really quite distinct uh... feeling is feeling it's 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 our emotions that they're they're fun or not fun but they're part of our being human i don't think they mean anything per se so they're like the spice but not the the meat in a dish you know (laughs) you don't just eat the spices you gotta eat some. they have no nutritive value feelings Um, thinking is the product of our reason and senses and believing is the product of revelation, what God has revealed to us and the Holy Spirit has worked in us. And so, but we got to keep those distinct. And, and I, I'm, I'm getting a sense here and you just say, you ask people about their politics. Well, I feel, I don't care how you feel. What do you think? And you don't believe in politics either, by the way, you think, you think, you you don't, you don't believe in science. Well, I believe (laughs) that the earth is is you know 4.7 billion years old. I don't care what you believe. What do you think and why do you think that? That that's
0: really that's 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 how we operate in that uh in that realm. I think one of the um, more dangerous concepts that I have heard recently is the phrase it's settled science. Oh that's stupid. Um you know what that is? That's impatience. That's
1: all yeah. that is. Uh, yeah. A a science is never settled um it settles for a while until something unsettling comes along and it inevitably does <laughs> yeah, it really does i mean you know re- newton
0: was newton was settled science until einstein okay so <laughs> oh, yeah you know um, my, my brother is is uh, an electrical engineer uh, a brilliant brilliant guy and i remember him saying it. Uh, so much of the, uh, so much of science uh, so in his field has been based on Newton, but Newton was wrong! <laughs> No, he wasn't. Newton's perfectly right, but there's more. You know, science
1: is always kind of like a cheap infomercial late at night. But wait, there's more. (laughs) And a lot of times the more comes either through accidental discovery, we didn't mean to find that or we weren't looking for that, or advancement in technology that allows you to go, boldly go where no man has gone before, uh, that kind of thing. Um, or sometimes just simply, uh, somebody who doesn't have kind of the presuppositions or the, the preconceived notions looking at things and go, Hey, wait a minute. This fits better. It's like a Chinese puzzle. It's not really a square. It's a triangle. And, and so they reassemble the pieces differently and it looks differently. That's that, what, who's that, that author, The Nature of Scientific Revolutions? Um, Thomas Kuhn, I think. Wrote that book, um, but when when somebody says the science is settled, that's just a way of cutting off the conversation. Yeah. It's shorthand for this. Um, shorthand for this is what
0: I believe. Therefore, it's done.
1: No, no, I, I'll, I'll 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 be a little bit more charitable. It, it 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 means that this is the this is the current mechanism or model, and there is no reason at the moment to change it. Okay, that the, there's no significant reason to change it Uh, because that's all science is science doesn't pursue truth it just pursues mechanisms and models (laughs) truth is for the philosophy department we don't (laughs) Now that um, is a
0: great a great point
1: yeah and sometimes sometimes people mistake fact for truth Uh, yeah yeah, they are different (laughs) they are (laughs) but uh, I think some of our bias goes back to a misinterpretation of Genesis 2 and this notion of the tree, the forbidden tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you know. Then so he's, oh, knowledge is evil, see, because that was forbidden to us. And and uh, and that's kind of like the, the sort of anti-Gnostic sort of thing, where knowledge, uh, the Gnostics were the opposite. Knowledge was the key to salvation, secret knowledge. So we kind of get this notion that knowledge is evil. But you got to go back to some basic language here. And Yada to know in 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 uh, Hebrew is actually an experiential noun. Uh, Adam knew his wife; uh, he didn't know facts about her. I trust me because she conceived. Okay, he, but he knew. <laughs> He knew his wife, and it's a euphemism for intimacy. So um, it's it's really a much bigger word than just knowing things about, but it's about experiencing. So I would summarize that tree. It's the tree of experiencing good and evil, which God didn't intend for man because all things are good. So it's, it's really kind of um, taking a God's eye view. Of
0: things and judging god 's work that 's good that 's evil that 's not given us to do see well uh, didn 't Jesus make that point uh that they were talking about unclean food, I think, and, uh-huh. and, and Jesus said nothing that God made is unclean right right it, it may have been ceremonially unclean in a in
1: a provisional sense for a particular people to serve a particular purpose i e Israel and Leviticus, but it 's not an absolute in other words that bacon or that scallop is not inherently unclean it's just unclean for
0: the israelite there's a big difference and was it um was it peter also with his vision of the uh, yep yeah three times it took him three times
1: and still he had to be kicked because you know you listen to your mama mama told don't eat with the gentiles right (laughs) but i think we have we faith people we religious people sometimes have an inherent bias against reason and i think the 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 healthy way through this is the catechism way that reason is a first article gift to be rejoiced in um but it must never be allowed to overrule what god says however we do use reason to figure out what god is saying If We
0: didn't use our reason. We couldn't understand language. You couldn't understand language. You couldn't read, translate and read the Bible. I hear this all the time here at the Senate. I mean, for example, when I'm board-opting for thy strong word, uh, the pastors will get into discussions about how it was written in the original Greek or in the original Hebrew and how the words don't quite translate. No, they don't. I mean, whenever you translate from one language to another, you lose and you
1: gain. Oh, yeah. Right. You, oh, you yeah. lose something that that is there that's not there in the other language and you gain something that's not. So you gain some static. Every time you translate, you introduce static into the text.
0: Oh, yeah. Can I the remember, Holy Spirit work with it? Of course he can. See, that's not the yeah. issue. You don't have to learn Greek to become a believer. No, no. And then, then there that's that's her, her drawing the difference again between fact and truth. True, and and the idea that God can only work through perfect things. So
1: you know, the, it's like the translation has to be perfect for God to. If that was the case, then then the church would never have gotten started because the eyewitness testimony that people were delivering was kind of you know, it it, it had so it had the basic stuff down, but but it wasn't necessarily one hundred percent you know pure gold every time they opened their their apostolic mouth either. Um but the Holy Spirit works through means and, and God understands that He's working through finite, fallible men. And that's okay. It's yeah, good. We, we are flawed clay, you know? I get kind of I get itchy when when people will basically say something to the effect of uh the Bible says it, that settles it. So if if the Bible says that uh the moon is made of green cheese i don't care what nasa brought back from the moon it's green cheese um or if the bible says that the hare chews the cud then so be it the hare chews the cud it does actually say that in leviticus along with the rock badger neither of whom chew the cud (laughs) (laughs) they look like they're chewing the cud but they're actually chewing the poop but we haven't like kind of worked out the biology for that yet um I heard an interesting discussion about just kinds and species and stuff like that. Even today, you know, around the world, people categorize animals differently. So in many cultures, a bat is a bird, <laughs> it's got wings, it flies, you know, forget the mammal thing, uh, or, or a whale, it's or, a, fish, a, yeah. or yeah, it's a big fish. Uh, because it's got fins and it swims. So, but that's it all depends. We invent those categories. And our, our problem, I think, a lot of times is that we project all that stuff back onto the Bible. <laughs> and then we say, the Bible says it. That settles it. See, we're as bad as the scientists when we say the science is settled. <laughs> you know, we, we say the same thing sometimes. The theology and settled. <laughs> we should be more careful and be like Luther and say, in spiritual matters, in matters of faith and salvation. Um,
0: not not in everything about everything that 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 would be kind of ridiculous well it's you know the the basic tenet of of lutheranism and many of the uh, many of the uh, christian religions is that salvation the the penalty for salvation has already been paid by jesus is this reasonable the bible says it
1: it's reasonable to the extent that it's understandable in other words, the words you said make sense. Um, the idea of a substitutionary kind of atonement scheme, mm. where one stands for all, yeah, okay. We, I mean, in fact, we can kind of we have some points of contact and reference with somebody taking the bullet for the team kind of thing. Okay, yeah. so that's we, you know, we're we're good with that.
0: Um, now, I, that... I freely admit I have. I'm not going to say I have doubts, but I have—I I do not fully understand how Jesus was able to take upon Himself my sins. It's like, right, when when I take communion on on Sundays, I understand this is the body, this is the blood. I don't understand why or how. Right, and you can't
1: prove it either. Uh, let's let's go with the sacrament because I think that's a good illustration. So so I know it's bread and wine although sometimes the kind of bread and wine that we use kind of stretches the faith there, too. But that's not really a matter of faith. I know it's bread and wine because my senses and my reason and observation tell me so. Uh, That it's body and blood, I can't know. I cannot know that. And there's no amount of chemical analyses before, during, or after the consecration that would, would indicate that it's anything but bread and wine, right? Right. And yet we believe that it is body and blood. We don't dare explain how. And we receive it as the gift that it is because it's been revealed to us. The the, the words of institution are revelatory. They reveal a hidden truth, a mystery, something that we can't know with our reason or senses. This is a perfect example. So when it comes to bread and wine, you don't need faith. When it comes to body and blood, reason's not going to help you here, as Luther said. <laughs> yeah. And if reason starts to intrude and say, "Oh, okay, this is how it's the body and blood; it's it's a symbolic relationship, or it's a, you know, it's it's basically a change in 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 substance, or the, you know, that's where that's where Luther would say, "Ah, reason acting like a whore again, and yeah. and, and and kind of kind of intruding on the Lord's simple is." And is is all we
0: got, so is we go with. As you pointed out, fact and truth. If if you were to do the chemical analyses of the bread and the wine during communion, it's going to come out in bread and wine. But we also have Jesus saying specifically, this is my body, this is my blood. And that's the truth of the matter. Right, and it goes back to that Jesus factor. So,
1: you know, and oh, oh, by the way, that's the guy who died and rose again, claimed to be the son of God. So I'm going with him. You know, if he says this breads his body, and to do this for his remembrance, I'm 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 going down that road. <laughs> you rise from the dead, we can talk, but until, until then, you know, forget it. And that's kind of the nature of that's that's why I think a Christ centered approach to this is much healthier than an abstract presuppositional. Is there a God? Uh, certainly, you can you can talk about that in terms of the ordering of the universe and, you know, like Paul says in Romans 1, the whole created order screams that there is a God and yet, you know, we just stubbornly deny it. Um, and we, we make the creation, the creator, it becomes self-created mother nature, you know, (laughs) we we all, we all become bailists. (laughs) It is, it was was father bail and mom earth, you know, that's, (laughs) so there you go. But, but, and, and that's kind of, but that's the nature of our sinfulness, right? To, to look at the created order and, and, and stubbornly insist there is no God. That's just foolish. But it's not foolish with respect to reason, it's foolish with respect to faith.
0: And this is what we have. Yeah. Um, and you know, book you know, Romans made it very, very clear. Book of Romans. Uh Luther saw that. Uh Saint Paul certainly did. Well, Paul realized that he was he was out
1: very much out on a limb here, especially as a Pharisee, because you know the whole treatise of Romans is that the Torah is a Torah of faith and not of works, and this <laughs> this is a mind blower for a Pharisee and their scribes. They they, they can't imagine this, um, and it's not it's not the way. In terms of you talk about reason, that's not the way we operate because we operate on a on a basis you, you got to earn. You you have to earn your way. If you're going to get anything from this great God, then you have to pull your own strings too. And and so that, that's where that's where you know you have to tell reason Shh, be quiet. Listen, this is better news than you think. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but uh, you know, having said that, um, I think the real danger sometimes is to become anti-intellectual, anti-learning, anti-science, anti-reason, and think that's faithful. That's not that's not in fact that's that's a misuse of god's gift um,
0: if you have that those reasoning abilities not to use them well that's part of the educational process i mean even even with uh... with religious schools where you, you still go through that process of of, of, of thought of, of using your mind and of using your brain we've got rules of grammar we've got rules of mathematics we learn how to do that that's all part of reason and I bet they teach that in the seminary too oh yeah well yeah I mean it's seminary seminary
1: is is a very um, academic I mean your brain hurts a lot of times you're studying you disciplines language grammar history um, you know exegetical methods and these are methods so these are these are objective things that need to be learned and exercised um, yeah, it's quite possible to do these things apart from faith, actually, <laughs> because anybody can, can, anybody can read and interpret a, the Greek New Testament or Hebrew Old Testament. You don't need faith for that. You need language skills. You need faith to say this is for me, that this God that I'm reading about is the one who died for me, and because of him, I am justified. See, faith is a for me kind of relationship. That's really, that's, that's really where all of this goes is the god out there is the god for me in christ and that's something reason can't get you there because you know darn well you don't deserve it yeah
0: that's part <laughs> of it again uh, every day yeah that's that's one area where we differ with i think some of the other faiths is that they believe that our own efforts will somehow affect the outcome that's that's the summary of religion in general that's religion and that's where Christianity
1: parts ways with the world of religion and says, yeah, that's what you think. Here's what God says. Here's what he did. And it's t- entirely different than what you think. Yeah. Beautiful. Thanks be to God in Christ, you know. that's. Uh, but that's, see, that's where faith and reason are, Are they're in perfect harmony. They're working together. They're fine. Um, but when we start doing goofy things about uh, the world around us and denying what we see and what our... Um, observation and our reason tell us and and they're not as Luther says in spiritual matters but they're just in everyday matters of the world then then um, we're that's a dangerous kind of faith that's that's that blind faith Copernicus. That's, that's the faith that's the faith that blows
0: up things in the name of God you know yeah. well like the trail of Copernicus how do you mean because- well, the, the, uh, his reason, his scientific examination said that, you know, we're not the center of the universe. Yeah, that was kind of a mind-bender, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. <laughs> Luther didn't like that. Right, L- 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 <laughs> Luther has, uh, he has
1: one table talk on Copernicus that everybody quotes all the time. And, and it's just, he basically says, Ah, oh, that Copernicus, he's trying to overturn all of astronomy and blah, blah, blah. And, but <laughs> he, he didn't care. Melanchthon actually was quite open to Copernican astronomy, as was Wittenberg University. Fascinating story.
0: Huh. Well, I hate to tell you, Bill, this discussion's coming to an end. That seems reasonable. All <laughs> well, my reason says that you've been listening to Let's Talk, the pastor is in. And today's guest <laughs> was the reasonable Bill Swirla. Hey, next time, break out the ale. <laughs> okay. But you make bread. Yeah, I can break Jim. some. Oh, where am I? What am I doing? <laughs> okay. Play the music. Yeah, I okay, there we go. Thank There's Fritz. music coming in now. And I want to give thanks to the Pastor Emeritus Fritz Bowie for letting us use his recording of all glory, Lord, and honor as a theme song for Let's Talk, The Pastor Is In. Pastor Bowie's music and books are available on Amazon.com. I'm host Kip Allen wishing you God's very reasonable blessings. You've been listening to The Pastor Is In.